Welcome to the Roadman Cycling Podcast. My name is Anthony Walsh. Six days a week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey towards health, happiness, and longevity. Now let's get into the show. Well, hello, all you beautiful cyclists. It's Sarah, and I'm back again for my Saturday solo cast. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. So we know that the Tour de France is often described as a battle between the world's best cyclists. And really, up until last year, it was technically only a battle between half of them. And that's because it was only the lads that were featured. And we know that all of that changed in 2022 when the Tour de France Femme rolled out of the Champs-Élysées and history was made. And I wonder what the writer I'm about to profile would think about those eight beautiful stages. That hilltop climb on La Superbe Blanche de Belfi and the dramas in the Peloton and all of the exposure that these female athletes got. What would she have to say on Eurosport? I can just picture her sitting in the Eurosport set, chatting with Orla Chenois and picking apart the tactics of the teams and the performances of the individuals. And I would absolutely kill to have heard her thoughts. But before I tell you who this person is, you know that question that people always ask, who would you like to have at a dinner party, dead or alive? Well, after researching this phenomenal cyclist, she would be at the top of my table as my guest of honour. So today I want to talk about Burl Burton. Burl was the goat of female cycling. What a career this woman had. So from 1957 until 1980, Burton remained at the top of her sport. And in that time, you're going to have to bear with me as I rattle through all of her accolades and all of her wins. She won seven world champ gold medals. She won 25 consecutive British best all rounder titles. And this was an annual competition that ranks riders by their average speeds in individual time trials. So over 25 miles, over 50 miles and then over 100 miles. And she became the only woman ever to break an endurance men's record when she broke the British men's 12 hour time trial record in 1967. She pedaled 277.25 miles in 12 hours. And in this race, she famously overtook Mike McNamara, who was her male rival. And she gave him a licorice all sort as she passed. And I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail later. And it wasn't until two whole years later that a man went faster and broke her record. And she was also the five-time world champion over 3,000 metres and 13-time national champ. Burton's achievements on the bike were really tied into her life and basically indistinguishable from her, you know, time off the bike. Cycling was everything for her. It was her sport. It was her hobby. She really loved it. It was her social life. It was her means of transport. But this was not in an era when professional cycling was a thing. It just didn't exist. And especially for women, like it just wasn't a job. So she had to work. Beryl had worked in some office jobs, but because it wasn't flexible enough for her to train and compete, she went on to work on a rhubarb farm and she cleaned houses and she worked at the local co op supermarket and all of the time she was smashing records and wowing cycling fans 
Now, I don't think that people who met her in the co-op or when she was cleaning their house that they necessarily knew that she was a great cyclist. She didn't seem to be very showy at all. She was humble, but she was deadly and her competitive streak was renowned. She didn't care about medals. She didn't care about prize money or accolades or fame or attention. But what she did care about and what she was obsessed with was winning. And that's what drove her. In Britain, she wasn't really well known. But in Europe, she was loved. And I read a wonderful quote when I was researching this from an unnamed French man that said, if Beryl Burton had been French, Joan of Arc would have had to take second place. <laughs> and I'm sure if Beryl had heard that, she would have loved it because she, Beryl definitely never wanted to come in second or third place. She was an absolute killer on the bike. That's how revered she was across the pond in mainland Europe. But apparently it didn't even seem to faze her that she was practically anonymous on the British scene. As I mentioned, she was really well known for this dogged determination. She just kept going and going and going, even as her age increased. And as her age increased, obviously her prowess declined, but she absolutely refused to retire. And in 1984, when she was 47 years old, the first woman's or a version of women's Tour de France was held and women were actually allowed to compete in the Olympics for the first time ever. So Burton really wanted to compete on this stage and she lobbied and trained. She tried to convince the powers that be that she should should have a place in both teams, but ultimately wasn't selected. And even so, even at 47, she wanted to go and compete at this level and get stuck in. And she just always wanted to be at the pointy end of her sport. And it makes me sad that such a phenom just missed out on competing on that Olympic stage by a couple of years, because I am in no doubt that she would have returned with gold and glory. As I already said, cycling for Burton came before everything else. And she thankfully had the support of her husband, Charlie, who actually introduced her to the sport. And when it became obvious that Beryl was a better athlete of the couple, he dedicated his life in supporting her. And he kind of became her soigneur, her mechanic, her cheerleader. And this was all in the 1950s, where so many women were expected to slot into a traditional stay-at-home type life and have a load of kids. He said of the time when they met, I used to go to work on a bike. And she said to him, I'm going to get one of those and he didn't think anything more of it but when they started chatting a bit more I lent her one of my bikes and she used it to go up and down to the cycling club or to go dancing from then on he said we just started going out cycling and first of all she was handy but not that confident we used to have to push her around a bit and slowly she got better and by the second year she was one of the lads and could ride with us by the third year, she was going out in front and leading them all. By then, it was 1956 and she decided to do a bit of time trialing because I was dabbling at it. And as Beryl began to show her potential, as I said, Charlie's own cycling took a back seat. Beryl and Charlie had one child, Denise, who inherited her mom's cycling skills. And there's a really funny story about Beryl and Denise. So Beryl and Denise were in a race together and Denise won. Now, if I recall, this was the National Cha Road Championship and she only won by the tiniest amount. But after the race, Beryl refused to shake her daughter's hand when they were on the podium to congratulate her. And afterwards said, people say it's because I was jealous, but I wasn't. I don't know what came over me, but I just felt Denise hadn't done her whack. 
<laughs> I love that. You, we all know there's an etiquette in cyclists that cycling that you hold the group, that you take it in turn to set the pace and you ride up front and yeah, you do, you work. And Beryl felt like she had set the pace all the way around and then right at the end, Denise just zipped past her. And yeah, I think Beryl was so annoyed and so thick that afterwards she wouldn't actually let Denise in the car and made her cycle home. And I've also heard that on the way to that race, Beryl made Denise cycle the 30 miles to the start line and wouldn't give her a lift. Now, I think this probably sounds a little bit crazy to the average person. But if I think about my own mom, who is very competitive sport person, I can see my mother doing this to me. And I think I would do it to my kid if I felt they won the race in an unsporting fashion. (laughs) I probably would. And you know what? I think Anthony would do the same. But when Denise was asked about this in the press conference after, she just kind of shrugged it off and she said that she hardly even noticed it. She hardly noticed her mom snubbing her because she was just so delighted with the win. So how good was Beryl in today's standards? There's been a lot of thought experiments on this subject actually there's been a lot written about it and there's a fantastic book called Beryl in Search of Britain's Greatest Athlete by Jeremy Wilson and in this book Jeremy unravels this thought experiment and he looks at how modern aerodynamic advances could maybe transform her times. So in the research, they brought her actual bike into the wind tunnel and the findings were incredible. So they had her actual TI rally bike that she used, the actual bike, and they had her original cycling kit. Now, they just needed somebody to body double for her so they could test it. And Jessica Rhodes-Jones, who is the UCI World Amateur Time Trial Champ for 2017 and 2021, she fit the bill perfectly and she jumped at the opportunity to do this because Beryl was one of her heroes and she was also picked because physically they're quite similar but also Jessica Rhodes-Jones knows how to hold a TT position on the bike and the findings when they were compared to testing on a modern bike with modern kit and position Beryl remained decisively faster over her three core distances, the 25 mile, the 50 mile and the 100 mile TT. And we know it's like chalk and cheese now, you know, the old school approach to cycling and endurance. It's so different to now. We've all seen the pictures of cyclists, of course, on the tour, drinking wine and beer as they (laughs) tackle the Alps. And I did a podcast a couple of months ago about doping, using all sorts of crazy wild narcotics back in the 30s, 40s and 50s. So things have changed so much. Endurance sport at the top level is a science now. It's very science driven. And every detail on kit, nutrition, sports psychology, recovery, training, it's all drilled down to and analysed to the nth degree. And to an extent, Beryl, did have her aerodynamic consultant, who was also her husband and dog's body. They actually did a pretty good job of this. They only had handlebar tape, so it was only on the drops. They removed the water bottles and they removed the brake hoods. They did other things to make sure that the bar was lighter and more aerodynamic. But it's nothing in comparison to the science and the knowledge that we have now. And I wonder what Beryl would think of it all now. She was obviously very gifted. She had natural strength and endurance and that mindset. She had that thing. She had that thing we as cyclists have to have or the ones that succeed have to have that X factor. And I I always call that the ability to suffer and the ability to just grind it out. And I often wonder what would she think of bike computers 
and the approach that a lot of the teams now, would she just take her shoe off and throw it at the telly watching the Tour de France and looking at Team Sky, not look up once from their bike computers and these numbers and not race with their heart. Maybe she would be a bit sad to see that type of racing. Who knows? But maybe she would be taking full advantage of it. Beryl was also quite famous for taking the piss from her competitors and she always had a smart quip. And in one story when she caught Mike McNamara, who I was telling you about earlier, who himself was on the way to recording a new men's national record. In her book, she remembers that she actually felt sorry for him as she caught up with him. And she kind of thought to herself, poor Mac, his glory, which is so richly deserved, is going to be overshadowed by a woman. So she actually pitied him and she wanted to make a gesture as she passed and she offered him a licorice allsorge from a bag that she had in her back pocket. Apparently McNamara said to her, love and popped the sweet into his mouth and years later his club actually honoured that moment by giving Burton a giant version of the sweet at their annual dinner which I absolutely love but imagine her pitying the man that she was about to overtake (laughs) it just goes to show the change in our psychology over the last couple of years uh, I don't think any woman nowadays would feel sorry for passing out a man on in a competition and as the years went on Charlie said that she was still trying to achieve things when her health deteriorated in the last 10 years of her life her times were getting slower in the time trialing so she was never happy or content with that and she was always trying to thrash herself back into shape she was still pushing right up to the end and trying to get back to her former glories and ultimately this all proved too much and a one week shy of turning 59 in 1996 Burton and the doctors knew they'd always known that she had an abnormal heart rhythm well she got on her bike so she could go around to her friends and family and deliver invitations for her birthday and those were her last pedal strokes that she'd ever make Beryl collapsed and suddenly died And she was such a young woman when she passed away. She had so much more to give to the cycling world. Now, her legacy does live on. She remains an inspiration to many cyclists, amateur and professional. And after her death, she was inducted into the British Cycling Hall of Fame. And she was was awarded an OBE in recognition of her achievements. She was a true icon of women's cycling. She was a trailblazer for female athletes. And her determination, her competitiveness and unwavering dedication and obsession to the sport, they've earned her place in cycling history, I feel, as one of, if not the greatest female cyclist of all time. Now, I'd really encourage you to go and check out some of the books on this force of nature. The book that I mentioned by Jeremy Wilson actually won the William Hill Sportsbook of the Year Award in 2022 and it's called Beryl in Search of Britain's Greatest Athlete and it's an amazing read. Anthony is actually going to have Jeremy on his show in a few weeks to go a little bit deeper into the legend that was Beryl Burton. So that's it for me today folks. It's a bank holiday here this weekend so Anthony will be back with his podcast on Tuesday and until next time all you beautiful cyclists. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about. 
So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. Go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.